1: We got another preview podcast episode for you guys, and I am very excited about this one. My guest on the podcast today is a former colleague of mine, fellow Gonzaga alumnus, Brenna Green. She is the sports director at CREM2 in Spokane, covering the Washington State Cougars. You got some Zags basketball as well. Brenna, how are you doing? Thank you so much for being here.
2: I'm good. Just... uh Coming off, covering Gonzaga's first game last night. Chet Holmgren, pretty good debut. So, uh, yeah, everything everything is hunky-dory, surviving November when we have college basketball and college football collide. So, there you go.
1: I hear you on that one. Yeah, I covered the, the, del- the Ducks doubleheader yesterday. So, that was a crazy one, just seeing that overlap. But, um, yeah, let's talk some Cougs. I mean, I... I feel like this team ha- has taken a lot of people by surprise this year. You know, we have some some offense and defensive focuses that we kind of want to get into here. But um, I, I think I'd be remiss if I didn't ask about the whole Rolovich situation. And it's obviously been a roller coaster for that team, for that athletic department with everything going on. Just just kind of take us inside, you know, the, the program and kind of what the mood's like, you know, with, with all of that crazy coaching turnover to get to this point.
2: Honestly, I think that program is tighter than – has ever been during my time here because of everything they have gone through. Um, I think it was absolutely the right call to have somebody on staff be the head coach instead of bringing someone from the outside in. Uh, so I think that has been really helpful to have somebody who is already has relationships with players and players know that they can trust him. Um, yeah, it was it was a crazy two months uh, it's still kind of going on as, as we're waiting for this lawsuit to drop. Um, it'll probably be a few more weeks until it does. And uh, yeah, even though even though Rolovich is gone, uh, we're still going to gonna have to do some coverage of Rolovich um, as this kind of all unfolds.
1: Certainly, certainly no uh, easy task, you know, when you lose your head coach in, in the middle of a season. Uh, and especially all those staffers that that exited right along with him. You know, just just tell us a little bit about Jake Dicker and, you know, kind of what he's done to to get the Cougars to this point, playing some really good football.
2: I think he's done a really good job of just being positive, Um, not making any excuses and just being positive. Uh, I know that the first practice that they had after Rolovich was let go he put up a picture on the jumbotron um, at Martin stadium. And it was of the guys celebrating on the field. And he said, just remember, nobody can take away your joy. And just because of what has happened, that does not mean that we can't create more moments like this. And I thought that that was a really profound, incredible message that he sent to those players. Um, and it's, it's obviously resonated, you know, the, the BYU game, you know, if, if they don't fumble a, a extra point, we, Cooks might've won that game. Um, and then obviously they come out against Arizona State and just demolish. So um, they've, they've been competitive and, um, and it, it really doesn't feel like they've, they've missed a step. You know, you mentioned the offensive coordinator or the other staff members who left which were mostly offensive guys um one of them was their co-offensive coordinator Craig Stutzman um and Dickert has said that he thinks it's been easier for the guys just having kind of one voice on offense and Brian Smith um because it there wasn't you know he never said this but you know you have Rolovich who's obviously an offensive coach you have Stutzman who's the co-offensive coordinator and you have Brian Smith, who's the co-offensive coordinator. And that's a lot of voices for players to be hearing from. So I think that just having one guy be in charge of the offense has has also been helpful for this team.
1: You, you can understand why why it would be complicated to, to have so many different voices coming at you, even in a normal situation, much less with a, a major coaching change uh, coming down in, in Pullman. So that, that'll be something to, to to figure out. But I also think hearing that from you kind of helps, you know, kind of contextualize how this this Washington State defense a little bit that we're going to talk about. Um, you talk about that Arizona State game. I think one of the things that really stood out to me was just how they, you know, made Jaden Daniels uncomfortable and, and slowed down what had been a really, really strong rushing attack from from what I've seen earlier in the year. But before we get into, you know, both sides of the ball, I think one thing that would be really interesting to talk about. Is with this matchup, you know. For those that don't know, Cougs come to Austin Stadium for a a 7:30 kickoff. Um, You know, nice and late. (laughs) Horkin's been getting some really bizarre kickoffs this year. Um, You know, Brian, I know you. uh, You've had to deal with that yourself, um, and in your time uh, covering the Cougs, but Pac-12 after dark. You know, it's it's something that kind of gets thrown out there every time we have a, a night matchup with the East Coasters going to sleep, you know, people talk about all oh, they, they miss the, the craziness out here of the good games. But Pac-12 after dark, the first thing I think of is chaos. And with that, I, I think that Washington State is, is the team in the Pac-12 that really embodies that. What I mean, what are you what are your thoughts on Pac-12 after dark and then maybe how it could carry over into this matchup with the Ducks?
2: First of all, this is our first night game since the first game of the season, which we love. Thank you. Um, it just so happens to be that they put this night game on the same on the same day at the same time that Gonzaga plays number five Texas. So I don't have anything going on on Saturday or anything. Um, when I just think of uh, when I think of Pac twelve after dark, you know, one of the first games that comes to mind for me actually is WSU's game in twenty nineteen at Oregon. All week, I can't stop thinking about uh, when Anthony Gordon, WSU's former quarterback, puked on the sidelines during that game. He Got so worked up that he just puked.
1: <laughs> I never knew <do> that.
2: <laughs> yeah, he yeah, he straight up puked on the sidelines, um, and I just remember that sideline report and just dying. Um, but that game was a crazy game. Uh, it was won by the by the kicker, uh, Oregon's kicker, and um, that was that was a wild one. And I uh, would very much not be surprised uh, if if this was a wild one too. Uh, you know, I, WSU has always been a thorn in uh, has always been a thorn in Oregon side. Last year, they only were a thorn for a half. Um, <clears throat> but <laughs> but generally it's been it's been difficult. I mean, 2019 I think was their first Oregon's first win in that in that series in like five years. So um, W has kind of had their number. Now, of course, we have completely different coaching staffs now um, really with both teams from when they had that, you know, five game losing streak. Um, but, um, you know, Oregon, Oregon and Wazoo have, have had some some good matchups. And then you add in the dark and I'm like, yeah, it's going to be crazy. That's just what it's going to be. So, you know, we just we take it as it comes
1: absolutely well um I, I'm really excited for this game you, you talk back you talk about flashing back to that 2019 matchup Camden Lewis being the hero there with the game-winning field goal he's had a tremendous season I believe he's nine for nine now for the Ducks uh kicking and had a big field goal and what was a, a pretty crazy game against the Huskies in Seattle you talk about the rain the wind the cold it was just all working against him and then he was he was a uh, You know, he was on point when the Ducks needed him. So let's dive into this matchup. Brenna, um, you know, kind of want to take a look at at Wazoo and and what they're bringing to the table Um, offensively. You know, a a good place to start is always with uh, with the quarterback, Jaden Delora. I was I was talking about him yesterday and and, in one of my previous videos, just this this streak of four straight Pac-12 wins. You talk about that close loss to BYU. They could very well be on a five-game winning streak if not for that fumbled uh, extra point that you that you mentioned earlier. What, what do you think that uh, you know the, the Ducks are really preparing for here with Jaden Delora? Young guy, dual threat, can can move around in the pocket a lot, but he's an exciting player that could make some big plays.
2: Young player who's not afraid of anything, sometimes to his own peril. Uh, that's that's Jaden Delora. He's not afraid of any moment. He is ready to go. Sometimes, though, that leads to mistakes being made and uh, and interceptions. So um, he's pretty good against Arizona State. Uh, but BYU, you know, there was a lot of there were a lot of near interceptions that didn't happen either. Um, there he he had some he had some moments, um, but he's not afraid to take the strike. He is that afraid of the moment, and um, that's that's just how Jaden is. I mean, I think you know. Just I'm kind of like you know going through all the quarterbacks in the conference right now. I, I really think it's Tim and and Anthony Brown. I know that Ducks fans have not been happy with Anthony Brown at times. I'm well aware because um, I follow a lot of Oregon Twitter because I'm from there. Um, but uh, you know, I, I really think it, it's kind of him and Anthony Brown that have put themselves as the top two quarterbacks in in the pack all right now just kind of going through everything you know usc's had their issues with injuries and stuff like that um i'm, I'm racking my brain currently but yeah i, I think those two are two, the the two best right now in the conference
1: yeah we, we definitely have to talk a little bit more about brown and kind of his progression later on in this uh this episode but with Delora, I think, you know, you talk about that uh, fearlessness. It, it makes him fun to watch, but he can get himself into some trouble at the same time. Uh, you know, another cool note for people who don't know, he's he's from St. Louis High School where where Marcus Mariota was found by uh, Chip Kelly and his staff. Um, you know, those. Uh, I was going to say all those years ago, but it really wasn't that long ago, I guess. Um but, but yeah, Delora, Delora's a, a cool player to watch. You talk about his most recent performance against Arizona State and that big win down in Tempe, 17 for 27 with 234 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. Um, I think another thing that that is worth mentioning here is, you know, for people who who don't follow the kooks too closely, you know, he did miss a couple games early on in the season, but. It looks like he's really found his stride here uh, as, you know, like you said, Brenna, the the Cougs are are in contention for a Pac-12 North uh, title if, if they can take care of business against the Ducks.
2: Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I do want to say one thing. Uh, completely, Jaden, Laura, and Marcus Mariota—completely different personalities. So don't expect them to be the same. Um, <laughs> Jaden is is much more fiery, and Jaden is much more animated than Marcus is. Uh, you know, that's that's just how he plays the game. That's who he is, as I've kind of hinted at before. So, and he's he's constantly changing his hair color. Um, that sort of stuff. So that that's just Jaden. He's he's very much his own individual. But uh he's definitely starting to really find his groove in the Pac-12. And uh that that's been fun to watch.
1: You you flip to the other side of the ball for for the ducks, and man, Jaden Delore is gonna have some some pretty stiff competition. Uh, you know, a lot of uh, really talented guys that are gonna be coming after him, trying to give him a, a long day. Uh, passing the ball. Obviously, you look at Kayvon Thibodeau, who, who is just I – mean, he hasn't had an amazing game every game this year, but for the times that we've seen him, he's just been incredible. You look at his his one half of football against Cal. I don't know if the Ducks win that game without him, just with how close that game got down the stretch and, and that, the fact that they needed that pressure on Chase Garbers. And then against UCLA, that was a wild game, and and, I mean, they just – they were abusing Dorian Thompson Robinson. They were just hit after hit after hit on him and, you know, credit to him for, for staying in there as long as he could. But then you got Noah Sewell. He's just, you know, Tim the defensive coordinator was talking about him earlier this week. He said Noah's Noah when he was talking about his game against Washington, that dude's all over the place. He shows up every game and he was really the face of that defense when, when Thibodeau was missing some time this year. So, um, you know, as far as what Washington state's going to have to contend with, um, looking at some of their stats for for the offensive line, you know, we don't get a lot of stats for the offensive line, but 20 sacks on the season uh, is what I'm seeing here allowed by the the Wazoo offensive line. So about two sacks per game. Um, what, what do you think that uh, you can share with us about the offensive line, Brennan, kind of how, how they're coming along?
2: They've really gelled over the last few games. Um, I, I think they've done a really good job. I mean, and you have strong leadership on the offensive line. Uh, Abraham Lucas is going to get drafted into the NFL this year. Uh, he is, and he is undoubtedly their leader. Um, and and he's a very very smart, um, conscientious guy. Um, and then you have Liam Ryan, who is also a firecracker, and um, and he's been around this program for a while. And and between the two of them, those two guys they're not going to let their position group let down. And they, they had some issues at the start of the season, especially in terms of um, helping the run. There was, there were some problems with that. Uh, and there was, some, you know, where he wasn't really hitting his stride and and obviously that's partly him too, but it was, it was a little bit concerning. Um, and, and now it seems like those issues are, are a little bit more handled. They've done a good job of protecting Jaden. Um, and over the last few games and uh it's it's a solid group of guys there's some newcomers on there but generally you've got you've got a good mixture uh of guys with experience who are you know extremely talented and in, in abe and in liam and then some, some fresher faces as well that have that have stepped up to the challenge
1: Abe lucas is a big name that that i definitely uh am going to be keeping an eye on with, with him going toe to toe against this Oregon d line you look at, at guys like Brandon Dorless, who, who's been a huge success story for the Ducks this year. Um, you know, I, I was really excited. I, I kind of felt like I was semi ahead of the curve last year, just when, when I was just kind of just, I was banging that Brandon Dorless drum. Just, I felt like every week just saying, this guy keeps taking strides. He had that huge hit on Chase Griffin last year against UCLA that resulted in a Jordan Happel pick. Um, so everyone kind of knows about that. and And he's a guy that maybe doesn't show up in the stat sheet too much, but he's been real solid. He was a, he was right in there last week on that, uh, that fourth down stop when Sean McGrew tried to get a, get a first down on that Wildcat run. Him and Jeffrey Fossett tag team to, uh, to get that huge stop, which was really, really pivotal if you think about how the rest of that game played out, Brenna, with, with you know the Ducks going down that next drive scoring, taking the lead, and, and they never looked back. But with this Washington State offense, just to, to bring some more numbers to the table here, uh, averaging 259.8 yards a game through the air, and the passing attack, but not super strong, uh, at least statistically running the ball. 115.1 yards uh, a game on the ground, but they do have some really talented backs and Max Borgie and Dion McIntosh.
2: Yeah. Uh also just wanted to add one thing about the offensive line because I wanted to make sure I was right here. No sacks against ASU, one sack against BYU. So on a
1: hot streak. They're
2: they're they're doing well right now. Now, of course, you know have great players and we all know that um running backs that's where we were going next correct yes Yes. um I mean you've got the two-headed monster Borgie and McIntosh uh they've and McIntosh they both missed some time this year due to injuries actually I think Max came back when he was not he was not 100% in that Utah game uh he was he was not 100% but he did play in that game um Macintosh missed a few games, uh, but he came back last week. So he's good to go. I think he missed like a game and a half, actually. Um, he's good to go. And then, uh, and, and so, yeah, you have those two guys and they've both had, you know, great games this year, great individual games. Max said at the beginning of the year, I'm scoring every game. He hasn't scored every game, but it's been damn, damn near every game. Uh, he's, he's, he's been a man on a mission. Um, and, and Dion's been great too. Every once in a while, you'll get Nakia Watson, um, in there, but he's normally, if if both backs are healthy, then he's like the fourth quarter in a blowout option back, but the staff really, really likes Nakia too. Um, so yeah, they've got a really solid running back running backs room and, uh, you know, that's, not necessarily normal around wazoo so it's been it's been fun fun to watch it them. yeah
1: Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of just kind of thoughts on the running backs and and this matchup kind of just popped up into my head but um to to go to your point you know you talk about the two two two-headed monster borgian and McIntosh uh approaching a thousand yards uh together uh you know as a as a group on the ground this year 10 touchdowns um, so it's it's been it's gonna be cool to see kind of how how uh, they're rotated in here, but was just the just because we were talking about running backs in Washington State, you got Jim Mastro coaching the backs at Oregon. He came from Wazoo. You have Ken Wilson coaching the linebackers. He came from Wazoo at his last stop. Joe Salovea. It's just like a, a coaching tree between these two schools that I think is just it just feeds into you know it's it's a storyline off the field, I guess you could say you know the narrative whole thing. It's not really part of the game, but it kind of is. I mean, it's just been crazy to see how Cristobal has built out his staff with, with so many quality coaches coming from, from the Palouse.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and NA, member FDIC.
2: Yeah, well, money talks, and uh, WSU doesn't have the money that Oregon does. At the end of the day, let's just be completely frank here. Uh, so that's one of the reasons why that all happened, I think. Borgi, mm, I think Borgi might not. I think I, I think Borgie was not coached by Mastro, if I'm okay. correct. I'm just thinking here. Yeah, Mastro recruited Borgie, but he never, um, but he never actually coached him. So uh, there's still there's still some connection going on there, but it's starting to uh, graduate out per se. So yeah, there's there's still that connection with Max since Mastro recruited him, but uh, he never he never coached him. So
1: okay, okay. Yeah, thanks for thanks for clarifying that one. Um, yeah. just, just to kind of wrap up the offensive side of the ball, I want to talk about, uh, the wide receivers that the Cougs got. Uh, I know two of their, their bigger names are Calvin Jackson Jr. And Travell Harris. You look at the secondary for Oregon, they're dealing with a little bit of the injury bug right now. Obviously Bennett Williams got hurt earlier this year and he was just having a monster start to the season. He's out for the year. Steve Stevens, the fourth though, it doesn't look like he's going to be playing, um, in this one, just based on the latest that we're hearing from ball. Uh, he suffered what was called a, a soft tissue injury against Colorado, was reevaluated last week before the Washington game, ultimately didn't go, and now it's looking like it's a little bit more significant than they originally thought. So no return timetable for him at this time, but uh, we talked about Jordan Happel. He got that big interception against Washington. Mikkel Wright's been playing really well. DJ James has, has uh, really played a, a lot of uh, good football this year yeah, with that big interception that, that sealed the game against UCLA. And then Verone McKinley, the general, I mean, he's, he's doing really well. He's, he's had a little bit of a, you know, problem, make problems, making some tackles of late that I know he'd want to have back, but overall I'd say it's really solid, but um, we'll, we'll see how Happel steps into this role. So um, yeah, I just kind of wanted to ask you, Brenna, about, about um, Calvin Jackson and Travel Harris to bring it back to, to the Cougs here. What, what can you tell me about them?
2: Uh, there, if there's a two-headed monster and a wide receiver, it's the two of them. Um, Deshaun stribling has been a nice third option for them, uh, and, and there's definitely a connection between him and uh, Jaden, since they're both Hawaii kids. Um, you can definitely see that play out on the field, but it's been the Travell and, and Calvin show out there, um, which has been super fun to watch. They're both just Incredible characters, and they're a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, if if we're talking about you know if we're going through this uh, this this offense, it's it's those two, and then there's there's a drop off. I'm kind of looking right now. I mean, Jackson has six hundred and seven six hundred and sixty seven yards, five touchdowns. Travell has five hundred and seventy four yards and six touchdowns. And then you go to Deshaun and he has 332 yards. In so an obvious drop off um, after those two. So, um, yeah, they have, they've been electric. They've been a lot of fun to watch. They're undersized guys. Um, they're not super, super big and stocky like the, you know, t- or lanky even is the uh, normal wide receiver we see today, but that, WSU has been able to succeed with with those guys that may not look like your prototypical Pac-12 receiver at this point, and uh, they've, they've done a great job so far this season.
1: Going to have to keep an eye on those guys as the Ducks look to slow down the uh, potent passing attack from Washington State. Um, as, as we kind of, uh, shift over to the other side of the ball here, just wanted to mention Jeffrey Bossa before on defense, you know, he made the switch from safety to linebacker for this year. Everyone's kind of heard about that, but man, what a success story he's been. Um, and just, he's gelling with, with that backer group and looking more confident with every passing week. So Brandon, let's switch to the defense here. Um, I think that, you know, we, we talked about the continuity that, that they were able to, to see on that side of the ball with regard to the staff and the coaching turnover, Um, but I know that they've uh, been been led by one guy in particular that that really stands out, uh, edge rusher Ron Stone, who is from San Jose. So shout out to the 408 there. Um, Just wanted to start it there. You know, what what can you tell me about this defense defense that the Cougs are are bringing to town on Saturday?
2: They've been really, really solid this year. Um, They did have some issues against BYU in terms of rushing. Uh, That was not a pretty game for them in terms of rushing. And Dickert said afterwards, he said, you know, we haven't been great in terms of um taking away the rush this year we've just gotten the big plays when we needed them uh so that was a real point of emphasis going into that Arizona State game and my goodness they did a great job uh that Arizona State game was was not pretty for the Sun Devils in terms of rushing it was it was very uh, minor. I'm looking up the set. Obviously it's been, it's been a few weeks since that game, but I'm just looking up the stats right now for their rushing. I mean, it was, let's see, 131 yards. That's fine. It's not great. Um, overall, especially when you have Jaden Daniels, that's pretty good. Um, so yeah, they've, they've it seems like they've shored up the rushing problem. Well, see if they have or not um, they've just been really solid you have a lot of guys on defense who have been there for a while it's a defense where you look at it and for me I'm like oh yeah I'm familiar with almost everyone on this defense like there's no you know you have J- Jihad Woods is their is their undisputed leader he is um, there, he's been an, an, an incredible um, part of this program for years and years and and he's He's definitely the guy leading. Um, you know, Justice Rogers has been good. Ron Stone, as you mentioned, he's he's a great vocal leader for them. Brennan Jackson is uh, is also kind of a law the same uh, mold as Stone in terms of how vocal he is and kind of the, the fun. They both bring the fun. I don't know how else to describe it. They're, they're really, really fun guys. Um, uh, you have a, a cornerbacks group that is also pretty veteran. Um. In fact, they had to move a guy from corner to safety, George Hicks, because they had too many corners. Um, but you've got Derek Langford on on one end, and uh, you have Jalen Watson on the other. Um, they've been fairly decent. Um, and then, and then Shal Smith-Wade, who's a sophomore, has been coming in and kind of helping um, spell them at times. So, yeah, you – Armani Marsh is another guy that the coaching staff just loves. I mean, he he's played multiple positions this year, um, just to help with injuries and things like that. He's kind of been their utility guy. Um, so it's just it's a group that is um really experienced and there's nobody on there that like anybody like it's it's not a group that um you know, Jihad Woods is probably their most well-known player, and he's not someone who's super well-known in the Pac-12. Just to be completely frank with you, he should be more well-known, but he's not. And um, it's, it's just a—it's a solid group of guys that people might not have name recognition on, but they all have really um, helped contribute in their own ways. And it's—it's it's a group of guys that there isn't a lot of newness going on there. They've—they've they've been in the fire they've done it.
1: Coop's defensive front having a, a strong game against ASU, like you mentioned, Brenna, and they're going to need to come with their A game again against this Oregon offense. Uh, you know, particularly on the ground, you know that's that's really where they they root their identity. Um, and I think when you when you flip it to Oregon and the offensive line, that's been one of the 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 great you know successes of this year. You know, it, it's I wouldn't say that they were playing poorly at the beginning of the year, but I think a lot of fans were were kind of questioning why we were seeing so much rotation. Um, and and not very much consistency from a personnel standpoint. And then you have Alex Forsythe miss the entire month of October with with uh, battles with back spasms. Ryan Walk moves over to, to to handle the center duties, and they don't miss a beat. But then Jackson Powers Johnson gets hurt against UCLA. He was one of their main contributors, uh, breaking through as a true freshman. And then now heading into this Wazoo game, it looks like Walk's going to miss a couple weeks, but Forsyth's back. And then fortunately for Oregon, they have Powers Johnson coming back from his ankle injury. Mario Cristobal saying he was ready to roll earlier this week. So, um, you know, some some good and bad on the injury front for the Ducks heading into this game. But um, I think that we're, we're seeing firsthand that the value of all those rotations uh, that Alex Mirabal and Mario Cristobal implemented here really, really, um, you know, paying dividends and i think that um you know wazoo's hot right now obviously like you said having that strong performance uh, as a defensive front against asu but also you mentioned the buy i feel like we haven't really talked about that i think that that's a a, a dynamic that's worth mentioning here you know oregon just had a, a pretty big emotional physical game against was washington state sorry washington excuse me last week although all the, all the washington schools in two weeks i'm getting getting tripped up
0: yeah. but
1: you know say what you will about being spent emotionally and then you know we had the the stuff post game with players jawing back and forth and then wazoo comes to town fresh off a buy and uh, a pretty commanding win
2: yeah that it was all it's a late bye week too for the season um I I you know if I'm wazoo I'm like thank God we got here in one piece like it was, I, I was, as all that it stuff was going on, I was like, man, I bet they'd kill for a bye week right now. Um, <laughs> so, and they had to go play two more games after after that. So, uh, definitely uh, much needed for this team um, and, and helpful for them that they're able to get an extra week to prepare for, let's face it, the toughest team in conference.
1: Yeah, and, and I think, you know, one of the, the big, the big people we got to watch in this matchup is Anthony Brown, right? You know, leading the, leading the way for the Oregon offense didn't, didn't have the most impressive day statistically against Washington, but I mean, to be totally frank, they didn't really need him with, with the way that they were running the ball. And, you know, over any anytime you rack up over 300 yards on the ground, I think everybody in, in the stadium last week knew that Oregon was going to run the ball, but Washington just couldn't do anything to to slow them down really. So, so with Anthony Brown, you know, he had that pretty bad interception early in the game, but, but he was able to kind of settle back in, um, had a touchdown on the ground and then that big touchdown through the air to Devin Williams. So, you know, you talked about fans being, you know, a little upset, you know, maybe not even little, I'd say noticeably upset, very upset with Brown earlier in the year, but Hey, Ducks got number three ranking in the college football playoffs and they're still, they're still um, you know, in control of their own destiny as far as, you know, if you take care of business and win the rest of the way here, then then you could find yourself and you should find yourself in the playoff rather. But this game against Washington State is is not one to be taken lightly. And then you have the road trip to Utah and, and Oregon State with that rivalry and, and they're looking better than they have most years. So there's a lot, a lot of stuff at play here. But I'm I'm curious to see how these, you know, veteran defensive backs that you mentioned, Brenna, are gonna match up with Oregon's wide receivers because I think that's a very deep group, even though we haven't seen a ton of production statistically. But you look at a guy like Devin Williams, who really looks like he's stepping into his full potential as a wide receiver after coming over from USC. And, you know, he's a big, physical, imposing guy, but he can move pretty well, too. So uh, do, do you think that how do you think that the, the Wazoo secondary kind of matches up with, with what you've seen from Oregon as far as the, the skill positions go?
2: I think that the secondary can be um, very hot and cold. Uh, If you get them on an on night, it's on. Uh, If you get them on an off night, it's not as great. Uh, You know, I I guess it would be great if you're an Oregon fan. Um, Like I said, there's there's a lot of experience there. So that is helpful. Uh, But um, it's it's really just dependent upon the night. So hopefully, uh, they have, they, they're, they're done with that hot and cold streak because they've, they've done pretty well the last two games. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think it's, you know, you, you look at Jalen, Watson is somebody who constantly feels like he has something to prove. I and mean, both these guys came from Juco. Um, they were not, you know, Blue star or not blue chip uh, five star recruits. So both these guys, when they step out on the field, feel like they have something to prove. Um, and, and so that's, I, I think that they're going to take this matchup with with Oregon's you know uh, big blue chip five star wide receivers pretty seriously. Uh, but we'll but you know obviously you have to think about the fact that. Uh, they're they're blue chip and five star wide receivers for a reason, so uh, it's it's really going to depend on the on. I, I'd say the first we'll know how this is going to go for the secondary, and I'd say the first quarter. That that's by the end of the first quarter, we'll we'll know if it's going to be a night where Wazoo is going to be on, or if it's going to be a night where Wazoo is completely on.
1: And and that'll be directly tied, Brennan, to to how how much success I think Oregon has running the ball. I mean, Joe Moorhead has said that mm-hmm. the success of the offense is predicated on running the ball. But if the if the run game's working, then then why switch it up? Um, I mean, I just as someone who's followed this team and, and watched a lot of football, I want to see them just continue to open up the pass game because if they have these postseason aspirations, then they're they're really going to have to be be able to move the ball, you know, both ways through the air and on the ground. So. Um, we talked about Micah or sorry, Devin Williams already, but Micah Pittman's a guy that, that keeps emerging. You know, he's done a really good job in, in the return game as well. Um, and then Johnny Johnson's been super physical as a blocker on the perimeter, helping spring some big run plays. Jalen Red had some good catches against, uh, Washington. So, um, you know, even though it wasn't the most impressive day passing the ball, I feel like they still got what they needed out of it and then ultimately managed that game, uh, you know, in a way that made sense. Um, we're, we're kind of winding down here, Brenna. You know, I think we got a, a really good feel for both sides of the ball with regard to Oregon and Washington State. Um, any other notes that you kind of wanted to to contribute here as we kind of get get fans ready for this matchup?
2: Trying to think if there's anything special teams wise or um, anything else that I didn't did not cover. Um, I mean, I just know that there's there's a wide receiver on this team named Renard Bell who is not playing this year because he tore his ACL before fall camp. And uh, so he's kind of just he's chilling. Um, And uh, Renard this week tweeted a GIF on Monday of a kid in water, like springing up with a duck in his mouth. So um, this team might not want to say that this isn't, uh, you know, every, it's just a new opponent every week. And, you know, that's the person we're, that's the the team we're focused on this week, blah, blah, blah. Obviously there are some people around there that take great pride in beating the ducks. So, um, you know, I, I think that the senior class um, knows their history against Oregon and some of it's good and some of it's bad and I think a lot of those seniors want to go out with a win. So, um, you know, when when you're Oregon and and you have all the money in the world and and these crazy recruits, I think Wazoo really revels in playing them, uh, just because of the fact that you know they're, they're they are close-ish, and yet their realities are are so different. So uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to watch this matchup as much as I can because. I'm also gonna be at the Gonzaga game at the same time. So we'll see how much I actually get to watch this game. Probably not gonna be a lot, but um I'm excited to to follow along on Twitter and, and everything like that. And uh hopefully it ends up being a, a competitive game and, and fun for fun for everybody involved. Uh you know, right now I'd still give the edge to Oregon. Um I I, I think I just have to. They're at home, you know, they're the number three team in the country i mean i would be dumb to not give them the edge right now but uh but i do think that wazoo isn't gonna isn't gonna back down.
1: this is a game that if i'm if i'm Morgan, i'm, I'm kind of looking at it at my schedule and saying thank god i get this game at home i mean it's no it's no secret that the ducks have been better at home this year um and just really in in, in most and most uh most years. I mean, that kind of just goes without saying, right. You think that you play better football at home, but they have had some big road tests on the, on the schedule this year. You look at uh, UCLA and and Ohio state, but a lot on the line, Brenna, you know, shot at the PAC 12 North title for, for the ducks. If, if, uh, if um, they take care of business. And then if uh, I believe it was Oregon state loses to Stanford is the, uh, the other thing that they need to happen. Yeah. Oregon state lost to Stanford to, to make that all happen. Um, yeah, I, I just think it's been great talking to you, Brian, you know, kind of just you, we think about all the chaos that goes into a matchup like this between Wazoo specifically and Oregon. And I think you've really helped bring that to light. Um, I, I always like to, to give guests a chance to uh, plug their work. You know, obviously, a lot of people are interested in seeing what Wazoo brings to the table. So I know you cover them. Where, where can people find more of your work?
2: Uh, My Twitter is at Brenna Green underscore, as well as my Instagram. So those are my, uh, my two social media channels per se. I also have a Facebook page called that's Brenna Green Sports, but, um, but let's be frank. The majority of my stuff is on Twitter. So uh, I'm, I'm relatively active. So there you go.
1: There you go. Yeah. Make sure to go uh, check, check Brian out on Twitter and, and give her a follow. She does a lot of awesome sports content. I mean, I know that firsthand from working with her, but um, you know, since since I was at Krem, she's she's only kept uh, killing it, doing her thing. If you want to find more of me, you can also find this podcast on my YouTube channel, Oregon Football Max Taurus, and then you can follow me on Twitter at sports. and then make sure you check out ducksdigest.com. We got tons of Oregon content going up every day, football, basketball, whatever it is, recruiting, we got it all there, so go ahead and check us out. Um, that's all we have for this preview episode. Ducks, prepare for Washington State. Saturday night, 7.30 kick at Autzen Stadium. That's all for this one. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you in the next one.
3: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality.